Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today I want to talk to you about finishing well, finishing well. Ran across this quote this week. The most important part of a story is the ending because no one reads a book to get to the middle. Think about that. The ending is what we're waiting for. If you go to a movie, the, usually the best part is the ending, or at least we hope it is. And um, uh, according to Professor Howard Hendricks of Dallas Theological Seminary, he went to be with the Lord a few years ago. Uh, he said one time, there are 100 or so leaders in the Bible, and two-thirds of them did not finish well. Think about that. Of all the leaders, that are, their lives are recorded in, in the Bible, and over two-thirds of them did not finish well. That reminds me of my Hebrews 11 moment. You might go, what are you talking about? You know, Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter. If you read Hebrews 11... It'll tell you what faith is, and then it'll say, by faith, this person did this, and by faith, that person did that. And uh, I can remember years ago, I was in graduate school getting my master's degree, and it was only two years. It went by pretty fast, but at the time, there was so much change going on uh, during that short two-year period. Uh, seems like uh, I got promoted at work, uh, in the workplace, and then a few months later, uh, I left the workplace to be full-time ministry. And then, uh, and then after that, we moved into Parsonage for the first time. And then somewhere in there, I think, uh, Ethan came along. Just seems like every four months or so, something was happening as I was trying to get through school. And I was in my last semester, and I just wanted to wave the white flag and say, I- I'm ready to give up. And a gentleman at our church named Ron, he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, Corey, uh, what do you think about Hebrews 11? Oh, it's, it's, it's good. What, what is it? And he goes, well, you know, you read Hebrews 11. All these people, they live by faith. And he says, and, and you know why they're in there? Not only did they live by faith, but they finished well. And then I'm like, ha, got the message, you know? And so I felt encouraged that day to continue on and do what I felt like God had called me to do because I wanted to finish well. And I've thought about that moment many times because even when you finish the task in front of you, we still have the reality of we want to live our lives for Christ right now with this one life we've been given and we need to finish well. If you want an example of someone that did finish well, what about the Apostle Paul? You know, in Acts 20, verse 24, Paul said this about his life. He said, I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. So in other words, Paul said, I just want to finish, finish my course. I want to be faithful to what God's given me. Perhaps that's why Paul could later say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Years ago, they, they have these dog races in Florida, and years ago, Dallas Willard, uh, he's gone to be with the Lord too. He was a professor at USC in California, and uh, he talked about the dog races in Florida. If you've never seen them, they train these dogs to chase this electric rabbit uh, around a track. 
they, they let the dogs out the gate and the horn goes off and here goes this electric rabbit and they're just chasing that thing as hard as they can go. Well, one night the rabbit broke down and the dogs caught it. And uh, they didn't know what to do with it. They were just leaping around, yelping and biting one another, totally confused about what was happening. And Dallas Willard said, you know, that's a picture of what happens to all sorts of people in life that catch their rabbit in life. It could be wealth, fame, beauty, a big house, possessions, prestige, whatever. But the prize isn't what they thought it would be. And when they finally get it, they don't know what to do with it. Uh, the moral of that story is this. People need a rabbit that won't break down. Think about that. You're living your life today probably chasing a rabbit whether you realize it or not but make sure that the rabbit you're pursuing is one that doesn't break down the only rabbit that i know that's worth pursuing that doesn't break down is a relationship with jesus christ living your life for him right now each and every day that way when we stand before him someday we can say i have fought the good fight i've kept the face faith i have finished the race Will you choose to finish well today? That's what we're talking about. Will you choose to finish well? Look, if you will, in Colossians 4. We're going to read the last part of this last chapter in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And what you're going to find is that Paul closes his letter to the Colossian church with two things, instructions about prayer and insights about people. Let's look at the first one, instructions about prayer in Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us uh, to us for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. And let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. In other words, Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer. If you want to finish well, then you need to be devoted to prayer. That is your lifeline. That is your connection that keeps you close to God. So spend time uh, cultivating and developing your prayer life. He gives us specific uh, instructions on this. He says, be devoted to prayer and be alert in prayer. I love that idea of being alert in prayer. There have been times in my life that God showed me some things. He prepared me for some things that were ahead that I had no idea that were coming, all because I was devoted to prayer and I was alert in prayer. And what I mean by being alert in prayer is you're, you're practicing a regular prayer life and you're alert in it because you want to be aware of what God's saying to you, what God's doing around you. And because you're devoted to prayer and you're alert in prayer, you become aware of what God is doing around you, what he's saying to you, and that helps you uh, deal with today and tomorrow and the next day because you're focusing on him, you're faithful to him, you're walking with him. We'll be devoted and alert in prayer. Also, he says, with thanksgiving. In other words, give thanks to God. You know, one of the best ways to kickstart your prayer life is to start thanking him. Many times we're like, well, I don't know what to say. I, I, you know, I pray five minutes and then I run out of things to say. Well, just like you would kickstart a motorcycle or, or some kind of small engine, you need to kickstart your prayer life by giving thanks to God. 
Just start thanking God. Thank Him for your family, your friends. Thank Him for the blessings. Thank Him for how He meets your needs. Thank Him for all these things. And when you start naming your blessings one by one, as the great hymn says, you will find out that you have a lot to be thankful for. So give thanks to God, and that will kickstart your prayer life. Also, he tells us to ask for a couple of things. He says, ask for opportunities to share the gospel. He says, pray for us that God may open a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. So pray that God would give you opportunities to share the gospel. I think sometimes we don't have those opportunities because we're either not praying for them or we're not looking for them. But if we will pray for them and if we'll look for them, we certainly will find them. Also, he says, ask for wisdom. Notice he says there in verse 5, act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so you can know what to say. So ask for not only opportunities to share the gospel, but ask for wisdom in how we walk, talk, and spend our time. These are instructions about prayer. If we will approach our prayer life with these instructions, we'll be alert, we'll be aware of what God's doing around us, what He's saying to us, and and how to be focused and faithful on Him. Well, also, he closes this letter with final greetings to some folks. Look, if you will, in Colossians 4, verse 7, and he gives us insights about people. Tychicus, our dearly loved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, and so that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, a faithful and dearly loved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark, Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And so does Jesus, who is called Justice. These alone of the circumcised are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling for you in his prayers, so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything God wills. For I testify about him that he works hard for you, for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. Luke, the dearly loved physician, and Demas send you greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her home. After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. And tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. I, Paul, am writing this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. He goes through this list. He mentions people by name. Two, four, six, eight, ten different people by name he mentions in this short final uh, greeting at the end of the letter. Tychicus, a, a loved brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant, is going to share with the congregation what's going on in Paul's life. Onesimus, who he says is coming with him, he's a faithful loved brother who is one of you. In other words, he vouched for Onesimus' testimony. And then Aristarchus, a fellow prisoner, he's also in chains with Paul because of the gospel of Christ. 
And then Mark, Barnabas' cousin. You remember him. Uh, Mark was the cousin of Barnabas. He went with Paul and Barnabas on their first mission trip. And early on in the trip, he left. We don't know why. We're not sure what for. We just know that Mark left. And then the next time that Paul and Barnabas got together to go on a second mission trip, they had a falling out over Mark because Barnabas said, I want him to go. And Paul said, I don't want him to go. He's not reliable. He left us the last time. And so they went their separate ways and Barnabas took Mark and went one direction and Paul took a guy named Silas and they went in a different direction. And yet now, later on in Paul's life, he mentions Mark and he says, you know, Barnabas' cousin, concerning, concerning whom you've received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Paul finally realized that he didn't write John Mark off anymore. He saw how Mark grew up and he matured in his walk with Christ. And so he says, hey, here is Mark. You've, you've heard of him and you have instructions. Welcome him. And then there's Jesus, who is also called Justice, because Jesus was a common name back then. There was a believer named Justice. And those three, um, Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice, were all Gentiles. And that's what he means by these alone of the uh, circumciser, my co-workers, and they've been a comfort to me. And then, of course, he talks about Epaphras. Epaphras is mentioned in chapter 1 of Colossians. He is one of you. They knew who Epaphras was. Epaphras was the one that shared the gospel of Christ with these people at Colossae. And now Paul mentions him not only at the beginning of the letter in chapter 1, but also in chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant, sends greetings. He's a prayer warrior. He's wrestling in prayer for you so that you can stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wants to do in your life. And then, of course, there's Luke, the dearly loved physician. Uh, everybody knew who Luke was. Luke, Dr. Luke, was the one that wrote the gospel of Luke in our New Testament. Luke and Paul were very close, and Luke wrote the book of Acts. And when you have those passages in the book of Acts where it says we, it simply means that Luke was with Paul when it happened. And so Luke and Paul were close colleagues and friends. And then there's Demas, who is mentioned. And Demas, it doesn't say who is one of you. Paul's probably not sure about him. You read later on in the New Testament that Demas deserts Paul because he loved the things of the world. And uh, then, of course, there is Nympha, who has a church in her home. And then there's Archippus. Now, this one speaks to me, Archippus. There in verse 17, uh, he is told to pay attention to the ministry you received in the Lord so you can accomplish it. Um, he perhaps could have been in Laodicea. And Laodicea, as you will know, is a church that's mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3 and in the early part of Revelation. They were known for being very lukewarm. And so Paul is calling out someone and said, look, pay attention to what God wants you to do so that you can do it. All of this said, how does this closing letter in Colossians teach us how to finish well? Well, that's what I want to share with you today. How to finish well on your journey of maturity in Christ. I'm going to give you two truths today, just two. Number one, confirm your testimony. When you look at what Paul read here, he talks about Onesimus, um, who is a faithful brother uh, and a dearly loved brother who is one of you. And then he goes on, Epaphras, verse 12, who is one 
of you. There's a couple of times there where Paul mentions someone who is a believer and he says he's one of you. It's somebody personally that the congregation there at Colossae knew. They knew their life. They knew their history. They knew their story. And they knew that there was a moment in their life where they had crossed that line and they became a believer in Jesus Christ. They professed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they crossed that line, their life was changed. And the people there at the church in Colossae, they knew that. And so how do you finish well on your journey of maturity in Christ? You must confirm your testimony. That is so important. Matter of fact, turn, if you will, to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter uh, says the same thing that Paul does in a, in a little bit different way. It is so important for you and I, if we're going to finish well this life that we live for Christ, that we must confirm our testimony. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, Paul says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. In other words, he says, confirm your calling and your election. Know that you're saved. Confirm your testimony. Peter is saying, look, you need to grow in your faith. And he mentions these qualities, starting with faith, and they crescendo all the way up to love. Paul would say it this way, our faith expresses itself through love. In other words, if you're a Christian, you should be growing in faith and growing in love, and that keeps you from being ineffective and unproductive or being useless or unfruitful in your knowledge of Christ. But if you are uh, um, unproductive, if you're unfruitful in your life with Christ, Uh, then perhaps you need to make sure that you're saved. In other words, here's what Peter is saying. He says, if you're saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be growing in spiritual maturity. If you're not growing in spiritual maturity, the first thing you need to do is make sure you're saved. Make sure you're saved. Anything that's living will grow. And when we are born again, we're going to grow up in our salvation. If we're not growing up in our salvation, then we need to make sure that we are saved. Confirm your testimony. Paul was looking at this list of names, and he's mentioning um, those that are one of them, uh, Onesimus and Epaphras. He mentions others that are faithful like Tychicus and Aristarchus, and Luke. And then he just mentions others like Justice and Demas because the the jury's still not out on them. I want to tell you something. We need to make sure 
that we confirm our testimony. Know that you're saved. Know that your past is settled and that your future is secure. Know that you have been changed by Jesus Christ. You're moving forward in your, in your walk with Him. You know, here's a term that you don't hear much anymore, and a generation ago you used to a lot. Backslidden. When's the last time you've heard that term? Long time ago, huh? I mean, in Baptist circles, we used to use it a lot. When we said that somebody was backslidden, what did that mean? That meant someone that knew the Lord, but now they weren't walking in obedience to the Lord, and they had backslid. Instead of moving forward in their relationship with God, they were moving backwards. I want to tell you something. When it comes to your relationship with God, you're either moving forward with Him or you're moving backwards. If you're not growing in your walk with God, then confirm your testimony. And a second thing, if you want to finish well, not only do you need to confirm your testimony, but you need to fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. It's interesting here, I believe this is one of the only letters in the New Testament that says this. It gives us a glimpse into how they did church back then. But there in uh, Colossians 4, 16, he says, After this letter has been read at your gathering, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Well, we have this letter to the Colossian church. We're reading it right now in our Bibles, but we do not have the letter to the Laodicean church recorded in Scripture. We don't have that one. But apparently when Paul wrote these letters, they would, they would gather together and it would be read in its entirety to the congregation that assembled. And here he's saying you need to swap letters. The one that was written to the Colossians, the one written to the Laodiceans, after you all have read your letters, swap them and let each other read the other one. And then he says, and tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. Now, the Laodiceans were known for being lukewarm. Uh, Christ condemned them there in Revelation that they were neither cold nor hot. They were lukewarm. And there's, the, you know, water's great when it's cold. It's refreshing. Water's great when it's warm. You can cook with it or take a nice warm shower with it. But when it's lukewarm, you certainly don't want to drink it. You'll spit it out of your mouth. And that was the picture that Jesus used of the church in Laodicea. And here is Archippus. Perhaps he's associated with uh, the Laodiceans. And, and Paul is telling him, pay attention to the ministry you have received in the Lord. But you know, that applies to all of us. Every single believer in Jesus Christ is called to follow him and called to serve him. God has given you a ministry in the Lord. And if you want to finish well, Fulfill your ministry, okay? Fulfill your ministry. If you want to finish well, not only confirm your testimony and know that Christ is in your life and you've been changed, but fulfill your ministry. Do what He has called you to do. The last thing you want to happen is stand before God someday and He says, what did you do with what I gave you? And you go, well, not much. You know the story that Jesus told about the, the parable of the talents and there were three different servants and he gave a certain number of talents to each one according to their ability. And the first guy who had the most talents, he took it and he doubled it and the master was pleased. And then the second guy didn't have as many talents, 
But he took those talents, and guess what? He doubled his, and the master was pleased. And then he went to the third guy that he only gave one talent. And the crime wasn't that he had one talent. The crime was he buried it. He didn't do anything with it. And he, he said to the master, well, I heard you're kind of a tough, harsh guy, and here's your talent. And he says, is that all you did with it? You could have went to the bank. It could have drawn interest. You could have done this. You could have done that. And he took it away and gave it to the other. There's a lesson there. You and I must fulfill our ministry that God has given us. If we're going to finish well, we've got to be faithful to do what God has called us to do today and tomorrow till the very end so that we can hear those words someday, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you want to hear? I know that's what I want to hear someday. Now, that reminds me of what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 5. Paul said, As for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In other words, at the end of Paul's life, he's talking to Timothy, and as he's signing off, he says, Hey, Timothy, Fulfill your ministry. Be faithful to do everything that God has called you to do. Be all in and do everything that God's called you to do. Fulfill your ministry. Now, let me say this before I close today. It's interesting. Here we are at the end of Colossians. And really the theme of this book can go all the way back to chapter 1. There in verse 28 and 29. I want to read it. And I'm going to frame this short letter for you real fast. In Colossians 1.28, we proclaim Him, referring to Christ, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, Paul says, striving with His strength that works powerfully in me. That is the theme of this entire short letter is Paul is magnifying the name of Christ And he's saying, I'm proclaiming Christ and I'm warning and teaching everyone that I meet with the wisdom that God gives so that I might present them mature in Christ. And here we are at the end of the letter and we're learning how to finish well on this journey of maturity. And we've talked about confirming our testimony and fulfilling our ministry. What about maturity? Well, there's the thing. Maturity is an outcome. Maturity is a byproduct of those two things. What two things? Confirming your testimony and fulfilling your ministry. If you confirm your testimony and you know that you know that you've been saved, Christ is now in your life and you have changed, you're a different person, and now you know he's, he's taking care of your past, you've got a glorious future, and He is now with you in the presence and you're, you're walking with Him day by day, trusting Him and following Him, and you're seeking to fulfill your ministry. In other words, you're wanting to be faithful to do the one thing that God has told you to do. If you do that, confirm your testimony, fulfill your ministry, you will grow in maturity. You know, I was reading this the other day, and I know I've shared this recently with the church on a Wednesday night. When you read Ephesians 4, God has given leaders, apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He's given leaders to the church to equip the saints 
for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ can grow in unity and maturity and can build itself up in love. When you look at that passage in Ephesians 4, 11 through 14 or 16, you will find that God has given leaders to equip the saints for ministry so that they can grow in maturity. So many times we get that uh, mixed up. We get it out of order. In other words, if you will confirm your testimony, I know I'm saved, and fulfill your ministry, do what He wants you to do, then you will grow in ministry. So many times we tell people, get saved and then sit down and sit there and stay there and listen and they listen and they listen, and hopefully they grow, but they never get around to serving. Hello? Hello? And, and we've gotten it out of order. We ought to mobilize people. We ought to equip people to do what God wants them to do. Let me tell you something. Life is short. You've only got one life. You've got one life to make it count for Jesus Christ. And, and you've got to think of all the things that God does in our lives to bring us to that point. And when we say yes to Him and we turn our back to the world and we turn and say yes to Jesus Christ, at that point we ought to be turned loose. And we ought to be able to say, hey, you need to find out what God wants you to do and you need to do that with all your might. Do what God has called you to do. Put your hand on the plow and don't look back. Do what God has called you to do. And as you confirm your testimony and you begin to fulfill your ministry, you will automatically grow in maturity because that's an outcome. That's a byproduct. And then people will see Christ in your life and through your life. Will you choose to finish well? That's the question I have for you today. Can you say definitively that I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him against that day. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you confirmed your testimony? And are you pursuing and trying to fulfill your ministry? God has called every single one of us to do something. The, the Bible says that he's given every single one of us a spiritual gift. That spiritual gift is the key to what God wants you to do. It's His special spiritual power through His Holy Spirit in you that gifts you and gives you the grace to do what He wants you to do. And when you find out what that is, you'll be good at it because He's the one doing it in you and through you. And when you have the exhilaration of seeing God not only work in you, but working through you to minister to someone else, You'll be hooked like I was. You'll say, Lord, I want to do this for the rest of my life. Whatever God has called you to do. Let's stand if musicians come. We're going to give a time of invitation. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the one who came, who lived, who died. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that you and I should have died. He did it for us. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And now he's calling everyone to come, trust, and follow him. And do what he wants you to do. Are you willing to do what God wants you to do this, this morning? The first thing he wants you to do is to trust and follow Jesus. And as you begin to trust and follow Jesus, you will serve him with your life. Whatever God wants you to do this morning, won't you do it? 
Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com. Thank you.